Hello, Salman Datang, this is the Archipelago Whispers. We're your hosts, Andy and Sheila. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the first episode of the Archipelago Whispers, Season 1. In this coming season, we are unraveling the political economic culture of Indonesia. Uh, that's kind of broad, <laughs> don't you think? Yes, it is. But it lays out the groundwork for a whole lot of things that are happening in Indonesia. We'll be talking about history, economics, politics, media and culture, and some controversies that you have probably heard of. So Andy, what are the topics are we going to talk about in season one? What should our listeners here be looking forward to listening? Well, I might be a bit biased, but I think our listeners are in for a real treat. We've got some fantastic guests coming onto the show to talk about labor rights, human trafficking, the influence of media conglomeration and some really interesting controversies that might have just popped up on people's Instagram feeds. Mm. And we'll be discussing these topics not alone but with experts, which include an Indonesian politician, an internationally recognized reporter, business owners, scholars and subject matter experts. Our goal is to not only make these topics interesting and insightful, but to make sure that we are a responsible and credible source of information too. Hang on a second, Sheila. I think we might be jumping the gun a bit. Here we are talking about some of our incredible cast of guests, but I'm sure our listeners are wondering, like, who are you and me? Mm. And why should they be listening to us? That's true. Yeah, we should have probably started with that. Andy, you go first. All right, so a little about me. Well, I'm from Perth, Western Australia, but despite that, or perhaps because of that, I spent a lot of time traveling around in my uni days. I've been all over Southeast Asia and had the fantastic opportunity to work in some really interesting countries like Hong Kong, Myanmar, and even did a study trip to Vietnam. And basically after I finished university, I studied economics, business, and uh, international development. I've moved and worked into a few different areas. I've worked in research in overseas and in Australia, looking at economics and public policy relating to trade, investment, resource management. I've worked in advisory and basically looking at like investment opportunities in Australia and Southeast Asia. And because of this like work and because of the sort of weird and windy path I've taken in my career, I have the opportunity to write a, b- a bunch of different articles in published media like. Uh, Frontier Media, T-Sec Oxford, and Future Directions. Mostly I write about like economics and policy, cool business ideas like uh, the Grab versus Gojek situation that occurred mm-hmm. a few years ago. That's cool. I, I like to think so. My friends call me a bit of a nerd. Oh, actually, they all call me a bit of a nerd, actually. I'm a complete history geek. And basically, I love everything to do with uh, Southeast Asia. The food, the history, even some of the music. I don't always understand the music, but I think it's got a fantastic rhythm and melody. Yeah, Sheila always teases me that I'm always got my nose buried in a book or I'm like geeking out and saying some irrelevant fact about history or politics. But um, speaking of geeking out, let's stop that. But right now I sort of work as an investigator with the Australian, West Australian government. Cool. Well, what does, when you say investigator, what does that entail? 
Well, in a broad sense, I find uh, when people come to me with problems and I figure out what happens, mostly due to like uh, financial crimes, so a lot of credit card fraud, stealings. It's basically, well, not as interesting as you might think based on what you see on television, but <laughs> I enjoy it. Cool. Anyway, I think I've bought our listeners enough. I think your career is a little bit more interesting. Why don't you tell us about no, that? No, that is not true. Yours is definitely more like adventurous. Um, more adventurous or some people would call, you know, unstructured and windy. But uh, anyway, enough about me. Go, Sheila. <laughs> um, you would actually see that my work would be a lot more unstructured but um sure um i'm a consultant slash researcher um which in my domain are kind of the same or somewhat equivalent i research uh, the intersection between digitalization gender equality and social equity and that could look like so many things but um it's basically around like digital ethics and how to ensure um, from policy perspective, that um, digitalization create a bigger social impact rather than, um, you know, creating more harm socially. Um, and so, yeah, I look at so many different things from there, um, like hiring algorithms and how they introduce biases or the impact of digital government to society and what changes can um, be introduced. I also look at something... Um, that's so interesting like um, if you've heard of the predictive policing tool that is used in the US um, that is racially biased against African Americans and you probably have seen that in um, some of the Netflix documentaries as well so I'll look at those kind of like digital issues and how yeah I kind of measure the social impact yes Andrew you are raising your hand that's a little tip of it so basically from what I know about that, like the predictive policing, it's the fact that the data is biased, so people's analysis mm. is biased. So is that sort of what you research? How? Yes. Yeah, in a way. Um, it's from the, yeah, from the decision-making aspect of algorithms, absolutely. Um, I think major, well, the major part of how biases were introduced are from data but also other aspects of things. Um, but yeah, if, if it touches upon like digital government, then it's more of like a broader social impact that I'm looking at. Um, yeah, so like how does that boost digital literacy or vice versa, how does digital literacy gap sort of um, stagnate digitalization of government? And Okay, so... You work as a consultant, you work as a researcher, mm-hmm. and what, who do you like do this work for? I mean, I can't imagine private, private companies doing this sort of work, and I don't think the government, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't imagine the government would want you to do this. Interesting, very, very interesting question. Um, and the answer to that is very complicated. The answer is actually that private sectors and government are both very, very invested in this issue right now. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's such a big theme, and I think it's started to get. I, I mean, especially since the pandemic as well. Like we get to um, experience how much technology has played a huge part in our lives, and I think, um, yeah, like the government is trying to invest in boosting the existence of technology because it's profitable, but at the same time, the social impact it created kind of like it can be damaging as well. So. To answer your question, I work for and with lots of different organizations, but currently I'm mainly affiliated with Joystree, which is a social impact 
strategy consultancy for mainly private sectors but we also work for other agencies like government and I'm a research associate at the Future of Work Lab which is a research institute under the management of Melbourne Uni but we are quite independent in our research um, and yeah those are my main two but I also work um, in my own consulting practice where I got contracted as like a consultant to provide like tailor advice for um, different organizations like the government um, uh, private sectors and so on and so forth but some of the prominent ones that I would like to highlight just because they look so good on my resume <laughs> and they are um, like governments like the Victorian government um, some some of the agencies in Indonesian governments as well the NGOs like um, Victorian Women's Trust UNICEF and recently with the World Bank in Jakarta guess I guess that just goes to show you never know what's gonna happen next mm, that's true a pandemic a fantastic job opportunity <laughs> that's kind of a blessing in disguise as well like you wouldn't have never thought that you could take on multiple opportunities at once just because now you're not expected to be there to do your work right yeah because you um able to work from home mostly like the flexible mm. living arrangements and yes arrangements. yeah um so i'm very grateful that my two um workplaces that i'm most affiliated with are very flexible with my work arrangements and they kind of like up investing in my growth as a person and so and i also started my personal practice since 2020 which was as you all know was the pandemic um and so all of the contractor projects that are outside of australia just like they just didn't demand me to be there that's probably the definition of a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Do you know one of the things I love about, like, whenever we work together, mm-hmm. one moment you're doing the, you know, your history yeah. work, then you're doing, like, it's like, you know what, I'm tired of doing that. I want a break. And you go do some of your research projects, and then you go and do your PhD, and then you might, you know what, I'm sick of this. I just want to do this on my side hustles. I, that's probably the beauty of doing so many projects. Whenever you get tired, you switch to something that engages you more. Like your productivity must be through the roof. Yeah, I mean, it helps a lot because some of the things that, you know, that there are some parts of work that that only need you to be like doing some of the menial jobs. And sometimes it's it just makes you feel like, oh, you've accomplished so many things because you get to tick all the boxes that are on your list. And that just like just gives you another energy to go on with something that's harder. So, um, yeah, and I think that's why aside from my work, I do lots of different things. Um, I'm currently doing my PhD at the University of Melbourne under Centre of Artificial Intelligence and Digital Ethics. So, yeah, as it says on the title, I guess, um, I'm researching digital ethics. I investigate how and to what extent hiring software can discriminate against women and feminine language in CVs, which is very niche. Uh, yes, but I'm noticing a lot of crossover here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, people kind of like think that, you know, my work kind of spans, or, or spans over like a lot of different things. But I think, I think that I'm dedicated towards one particular social impact and it, that's kind of consistent throughout my work. Yeah. So just, I'm keeping count. So she has her own consulting practice. She has her draw history job. She has her 
a job at the research institute in Melbourne. She has a PhD, that's four. She has, and now this one here, so that's five jobs. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm slacking. Oh, did I forget one? Yes, yes, <laughs> come on. Um, I'm quite big on entrepreneurial ideas. Um, in 2020, I started, so I'm, I'm now the CEO and one of the co-founders for Generation Politics, which is a not-for-profit company um, aimed at connecting young people with politics by making policymaking accessible for them. Um, so we have many projects under it, um, basically partnering up with different sectors to co-design policies with young people. So that was one, and that's still related to the social impact that I'm making, which is social equity and inequality. But aside from that, I also have like another business that is not at all related to what I'm, whatever it is that I'm doing. It's purely like, um, you know, like, oh, it's just based on interest. And it's just like, oh, it's fun because my two amazing partners are my own best friends. Um, but I guess it's it's just, I don't know. I, I think I like exploring new things and um, learning new skill sets every time. And I kind of like from completely unrelated projects, you get to actually use those skills and like those transferable skills in the workplaces or like the the main work that you're doing. And that's the beauty of it. And I love doing that. Well, I suppose you get to use all parts of your brain. You get to use the um, altruistic side. You get to use the profit making side. You get the business side, <laughs> the research. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's true. Or like even you know networking um, partnerships and things like that. It's just like it's it's those skills that are kind of just yeah invaluable, I guess. And another project that I'm currently doing that I'm super super excited about and. A bit of a flex too, but I think it's just worth sharing in this space because I think it's quite related. Is that um, <clears throat> this year I'm part of the chairing team for Y20 Summit, which is part of the G20 Summit, if you've heard of it. So every year, the 20 member countries of the UN would convene in a hosting country to talk about politics and policy and create you know, policy responses for social issues. Um, and Y20 is the youth version of G20. Um, and I'll be part of the chairing team for that. And that is so excited because this year, Y20 is hosted by Indonesia. And that is why it's incredibly big if you have seen it a lot more this year than ever. That's exactly because of that. Um, and yeah, I, I think... I wanted to mention that just because I think it will be so interesting if you stay tuned to it because that will be somewhat maybe part of the conversation in this season. So, Well, I'm definitely interested in hearing more about it. Mm. Anyway, so there you have it. you got Sheila, who is an Indonesian researcher, consultant, business owner, and you know, a bunch of other titles we're not going to get into. And you've got me, an Australian investigator and consultant. But... I suppose it doesn't really answer my initial question, Sheila. I mean, we've introduced ourselves, we've established that you've got a lot of projects and I've led a somewhat interesting life, but we haven't really answered- Somewhat. Ans- <laughs> yeah, to some people. We haven't really answered the question. 
why are we qualified to host this podcast? Mm, right. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think if I would summarize our qualification as a host, it will be in two words. Sheer curiosity. We are so curious about the intricacy of political, economic environment and um, Indonesia in general and how they make up its societal culture. And probably same as you, we ask these questions in our daily lives. We read the news, we get frustrated and we talk about it, we reflect on it. But like talk about, you know, how does this impact us? How should we look at it more closely? Are we missing a perspective? How should I react to this wisely? Or as simple as what the heck is actually going on? You know, these days, every time I read the news, I want to say that. Yeah. What the heck is going on? Like every time I want to say it out loud. And it's so like overwhelming as well because it's sort of like, you know, the media is now a 24-7 cycle where every content is sort of profit-making agency. So. You know, one thing I've always found really interesting, though, is when you and me read the same piece of news, how we react so differently to it. Yeah. Like, even the other day when we were talking about, um, like, Juggly's third term, or about, um, I don't know, new apps like Zendid and Gojek, mm. we had completely different reactions to it. Yeah. Like, I don't know, do you think it's something to do with the fact that, you know, I've grown up in Australia, you grew up in Indonesia, I've learned about Indonesia through, like, books and traveling, and you've, like, Growing experienced up, experienced like it. Yeah, you. Yeah. Well, you're Indonesian. You were immersed mm. in the culture from day one. I think so. I yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that, um, yeah. So it's sort of like you bring in the outsider's perspective, and I'm bringing the insider's perspective, and that's why we complement each other's view. But I think in most of the cases, we kind of understand the sentiments that each other has towards one news and most of the time we would agree on like particular ideology it's just the way that it's implemented is different yeah like we both agree on the destination but the journey we'll take to get there mm, yeah. is very different like yeah. i'll often look at it from a very sort of i guess westernized lens yeah and very like sort of business focused because that's what i studied mm. and i might get sort of straight to the point or i might sort of look at it that way but you might look at it more of like a social impact way or perhaps based on your experience with Indonesia mm. and you might have to explain something to me that, you know, is common knowledge for someone mm. that might have grown up in Indonesia and it's so obvious that I should know mm. except the single fact I didn't grow up there. And that is super interesting because I think a lot of the episodes in season one, we get to dissect, um, you know, things along the line of what is expected what 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 do people expect to have or to receive from governments um in countries outside of indonesia that in indonesia considers privilege and that's just as simple as that we we have different understanding of what it means to have the rights as citizens or is that just a privilege that if you're given that by the government then it's like oh you're lucky like your welfare, like welfare state in Australia, it's incredibly, it's such a privilege. There's no such thing as like free COVID test in Indonesia. <laughs> yes, and Sheila likes to go on about this very well, especially oh, when we go to the doctors and I walk away with Medicare rebate and she doesn't. So it's, and I'm like, it's 75 complaint. bucks for like five minutes of consultation and he said, you're okay. <laughs> Hey, the doctor said you're okay. Isn't that reward in itself worth the 75 bucks? 
Mm, You're right, arguable. No, no, so, no. <laughs> but yeah, I think the fact that you and me got such, I guess, not co- contrasting, is that the word I'm looking for? Or just. I, w- I would see it as complementing in a way because it adds more perspectives. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, let's go complementary viewpoints. But the fact that we take different routes to get there, I think, should hopefully make some interesting conversations, mm. especially when we get to geek out with actual experts in our field rather than just, well, geeks and nerds like us. Mm. And we're going to have some fantastic experts who are going to be really familiar with the subject matter. I'm looking forward to asking them a bunch of questions and hopefully they're going to answer them and get some conversation started. If you listeners are keen, maybe send in a few questions and we might be able to host them as well. Mm. And that's exactly it. I think our goal is not to provide you with answers, but to provoke more questions. But this time with more meaningful and impactful questions. And that's our goal here. Yeah. After all, I guess we've got questions ourselves and we certainly don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. But I have one more question for you, Sheila. Yep. Do you think our listeners are going to be interested in what we're saying? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so too. So listeners, please follow us on Spotify to know when new episode drops. Also share it with people you know might be interested too. See you in our season one episodes. Bye. Sampa Jumpa. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Archipelago Whispers. If you enjoyed our show, please leave a five-star review and subscribe for more great content. Sampai jumpa!